Hey guys, welcome to Turn Up the Volume. I'm Brittany Starling. It's Jess Garzone. And we have a really awesome guest today. Jate Major. So Jate, do you want to tell us what your functional area is and what company you're at? Sure. So I'm at Merck and I'm in Global Regulatory Affairs and Clinical Safety, but my fellowship is particularly focused on Global Regulatory Affairs. So where are you from originally? So originally I'm from Washington, D.C. I was born there, but I actually moved to Maryland after that and I went to school in D.C. So, oh, cool. Okay. But originally from the D.C. area. Are you a big Wale fan? Uh, I like Wale. I think he's cool. But I listen to like Raheem Devon as well. Okay. I listen to even a lot of West Coast rap. I like ASAP Rocky. He's pretty Oh, cool. yeah. Okay. Honestly, I used to listen to a lot of Snoop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Did you watch, oh, what are they called? The documentary series about Dr. Dre on HBO? I haven't. No, not on HBO. I haven't seen I actually don't have HBO right now because uh... I don't really watch TV. So I thought there was no point in that. Yeah, that makes sense. it's really good, but they have Snoop on there talking a oh, lot, yeah. and he is hilarious. Oh, yeah. I don't have HBO because I'm broke, <laughs> and I can't get those channels. Well, I have HBO because my grandma has HBO, oh. and I borrow her, so and same Spe- boat, y'all, same boat. <laughs> Speaking of Snoop, have you guys seen the show on, I think, the H1? I don't know With what Martha channel. Martha Stewart? Yes, it is hilarious. Is it really? No. I just couldn't imagine it's, something it's funny. It's ridiculous. I've never seen it. I mean, we've both been to prison, so I think <laughs> they have a lot in common, really. Yeah. You wouldn't think. Yeah. What made you go to pharmacy school? Okay, so initially I, I came to pharmacy school because I knew that I wanted to be a doctor. My parents were very big on education and exposing us to things that would allow us to live a certain lifestyle. I f- knew I wanted to be a doctor or something. After that, um, I, I actually wound up going to do research during undergrad at the University of Maryland, Baltimore in their oncology department. And um, what they wound up having us do is all come in and see a live surgery. And I thought it was the most gruesome, disgusting, (laughs) terrible thing somebody could ever do. And I was like, I could, this cannot be me. So I didn't want to go to medical school because, you know, they told me that even if that's not something that you end up doing, ultimately, like you don't go into surgery, post-medical school, you will have to do that for a year. Uh, during your training. So I knew that was something I was very, it was unappealing to me. So I knew that I didn't want to go to medical school. So then I actually started working at a pharmacy, a CVS pharmacy. I learned a little bit about just drugs, honestly. And I think you get a different perspective being behind that counter, just kind of understanding what the, the requirements are, what the obligations are. And I got an appreciation for pharmacy as a practice. So that was my initial introduction to pharmacy. And I knew that, you know, if I want, if I knew that after that, that, you know, I can make some decisions about what areas of pharmacy I wanted to go into. So I chose to go to pharmacy school basically just because of my experiences and the fact that I was not going to medical school to cut into bodies. Yeah, I shadowed a pathologist one time. So not even whole humans pieces of humans mm-hmm. and he pulled out a liver from someone that had had cancer and cut into it and it was like full of tumors and I fainted right away really? wow. yeah yeah wow. maybe I should have gone to medical school because when you guys talk about this I'm like that is so cool I wish I could have seen that <laughs> I thought it was cool until I saw it <laughs> yeah yeah same here same story so when did you decide that you wanted to do industry I honestly wanted to do something non-traditional since I came into pharmacy school I thought policy was more so my thing so I wanted to kind of impact healthcare. I know we were talking about a few things on even the way up here and you're talking about this project and how you guys are innovating. Innovation is what really makes me excited for my day to day. So knowing that I'm a part of something that is going to be new and fresh. And so either policy or something of that nature is what I really wanted to get into. So what wound up happening after that is I had a lot of policy interactions. I actually was very heavy into things to see. So I had a rotation with the Pharmacy Quality Alliance and they focus on reimbursement standards for different health entities. So basically what are called measures and how these measures relate to the quality of care that patients are receiving. They basically provide input and develop measures to assess you know, how programs are doing. 
Hmm. So, you know, I got opportunities to work in policy. I went to like a lot of happy hours, met a lot of people. <laughs> but ultimately, what really stood out about some of my rotations was going into some of my industry rotations, which was with the AbbVie. So I did a AbbVie rotation in regulatory affairs, advertising and promotion. And where where is AbbVie located? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, AbbVie is located in northern Illinois. Oh, okay. And I thought it was in Chicago. And an interesting <laughs> story about that is that I probably should have done some better research <laughs> when um, kind of going out there for my rotation because it literally took me an hour and 45 minutes to get to rotation. Oh, every day. no. That's really funny. That happened to my best friend. She has to travel every week to what she thought was Chicago <laughs> or right outside of Chicago. And it ends up being the same situation. And yeah. I guess people don't think about that part. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, and, and so the, the way that DC Metro works is like everything is very, very close. So I was like, okay, as long as I'm near a train stop and I know Abby is near a train stop, I'll be okay. But no, every morning I had to take a train to another train and that was the commuter train. Then I got off the commuter train and then I had to get on to a shuttle to actually get to my rotation every day. So that was an hour and 45 minutes. Wow. So now that you live here in New Jersey and I assume you're driving, Mm -hmm. do you miss the DC area? I do a lot. Um, So there's a lot of things that DC has that just Jersey doesn't have. I mean, I can walk out of my house at any given time and there's people, there's things to do and you don't even necessarily have to be in any pocket any social pocket in order to get access to the more information about it. Here, you really have to do a lot of networking, asking questions, moving, making sure that you're making proper interactions and proper relationships with people so that you can kind of know what's going on. And so that's that's a challenge for me, I guess. So, I mean, I actually think DC is a little closer to like New York in terms of just how things move and, and what yeah. types of attractive things you can do in the area. But um, I'm adjusting. I think the attractive thing about living in New Jersey is the fact that it's stable, you know, it's settling very down. Family friendly. Like, yeah, very family I, friendly. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like it for those reasons because ultimately that's where I want to be. I don't want to, you know, be in a city environment where you don't know what's going to impact your day. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a really good point. We just on Tuesday, we're dealing with the attack in New York. Yeah. So. And yeah. You don't know what to expect. You don't know if you should go home, how the traffic is going to be. Right. Yeah. A lot more thinking is required just sure. to go home or get to work. Yeah. So what made you want to go for a fellowship instead of applying for, let's say, an entry level position? One, when I went on my AbbVie rotation, I met a lot of people. I met a lot, a lot of people. So I had one-on-ones basically like every day. And, you know, I was asking just about what types of things would be attractive to enter into this space because it was something that made me excited. When I asked them, they said that, you know, honestly, the traditional way and, and kind of becoming basically a standard for individuals to get into industry is now kind of getting a fellowship and, and coming in that route. There are individuals who take contracted positions, but that's you know, very competitive because you also have individuals who have had a lot of experience in the area that you would potentially be competing against. Within an environment of a fellowship, you're competing against individuals who have had similar or related exposures to you. So it's not the same level of competition. So that's one reason that I really wanted to go for um, a fellowship as opposed to applying straight out. What do you think made you a strong candidate for a fellowship? Well, I think what made me a strong candidate was one, uh, the fact that I was, I'm pretty sociable. I think people can connect with me pretty easily. I would agree. I would agree. (laughs) Definitely. I try to make it like very easy and, and, and I can connect with people about anything, you know, food, culture, like anything. And, and I love to, you know, I actually appreciate, I genuinely appreciate people. So that's one thing. And I think people really saw that during some of the receptions I went on. Um, in addition to that, I had some very interesting exposures. I had a rotation in South Africa, which I got a, an opportunity basically to work on HIV and AIDS re-standardization of their, their policies in that. Wow. That which sounds was really, really exciting. Cool. Yeah. I basically had to develop some information for the World Health Organization as well as the affiliate organization that Howard University has there. And it was centered around the data set that they had. So I basically got to manipulate that data oh gosh, and give a presentation awesome. to the, the entire team. So that was something I, I really wanted to discuss, honestly, <laughs> on a lot of my interviews. Um, in addition to that, I had my AVI rotation. I think that 
some of the experiences I had, and not even just the experiences, but some of the skills I think that I took from those experiences in terms of really appreciating how regulatory matters can impact, you know, clinical services or clinical knowledge. And, you know, I appreciated that. So, and then lastly, I think that when I went on a lot of my are these called on-site interviews, I made it a point to just, you know, try to stand out as much as possible. So I actually wound up creating a portfolio. And my portfolio, I detailed basically my pharmacy school career and things that were more supportive of my claim that I'm a, a, the best fit for this position. So, you know, I highlighted some of my research that I've done, my publications. I highlighted my work experience. I've been working in the retail and hospital environment concurrently throughout pharmacy school. I was also in Rokai. And I had also been, you know, president of an organization, so I can handle multiple things at once. And I, and I just made sure that I articulated that through this this uh, portfolio that I showed. Wow, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I you really impress a lot of people. That's really good advice, too. Candidates can take away from that. Just with your CV, you can use it as an opportunity to highlight and just say at the top, you know, like important highlights. Yeah. Um, because at mid-year, you know, people don't have time to read through and to the very back of your CV to yeah. see some of those smaller things that that might be really important. Yeah. And I, and I think, honestly, even while I was at Abbey, I made some really good connections and just through other things. And when I would send people my CV, they said, you know, this is entirely too long. So I was very critical about what information I put in my CV because I, I brought mine down to three pages and it was three pages on the dot. There was no, <laughs> if I would have pushed a space bar, it was going on to the next page. So, you know, I think that making sure that I limited the information that I was giving to people made sure that all of the experiences that they knew about me were very highly selected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And tailoring your CV, that's definitely yeah. important. Yeah. So what is your best memory from mid-year? From mid-year? <laughs> I met a lot of people. Um, so I was I was pretty high up in the line. I was number four. Um, what? In the line. what time did you get there? So I got there at 4.30. But it was me and a group of my friends, um, Abiola Ojo and Jeremy mm-hmm. McElmore. There are some friends that I have. Actually, Abiola is at Merck as well. Right. Jeremy's actually doing a residency with uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. But we were pretty big in industry, so we kind of all pushed each other. We, you know, did mock interviews with one another. We really assisted and supported each other towards, you know, what we ultimately wanted to do. So my best thing was, honestly, for mid-year, it was just like kind of getting up to the front of the line and continuing to just go over things with them. I thought that, you know, even after that, we actually didn't talk until the end of mid-year because we were all <laughs> just no kind time. of going over. There was no time. Yeah. But just the fact that, you know, we were all successful in our own individual rights, that's, well, I guess that's not one thing that I did at mid-year, but it is one thing that I really appreciated about the entire mid-year experience. It's awesome. I'm going to comment on what you said about your best memory, mm-hmm. because you're not the first person to tell us it was waiting in the line, which I think people say is really miserable. But Christine Lee told us the person that she stood next to in line was David, her coachy. Oh, wow. And the people that I stood next to in line, I still text them. Yeah. So I think you really formed this bond because you're going through <laughs> such a grueling experience together yeah, for sure so be nice to the people that are in line by you <laughs> <laughs> for sure and even the, the other individuals you meet at the receptions so when you you know go to the receptions and you're you know of course going to be all tasked with having some some certain interactions with key individuals you know be nice to the individuals who are also interested because they've at least impressed upon the same people that they are you know highly qualified candidates so at the end of the day they they may in that sense be your competition but then the day they could be some supporters of yours or be able to provide you access to some opportunities you want in the future. Definitely. And most likely they're going to be your colleagues one day. Exactly. And I'm sure everyone listening has heard 
know, pharmacy and industry is such a small world. Super small. Definitely true. So you had kind of a unique onboarding experience because I think right when you were supposed to start was the big hack at Merck. Yeah. Can you talk about sort of what that was like and sort of how that's affected sure. day-to-day process at Merck? Yeah, so I can provide like some high-level experience definitely with that. So when I started at Merck, it was... Four weeks after my start date, wow. my schedule started. Four weeks? That's so such a long time. It was, it was a very long time. And I think that what I didn't like about that in particular was, <laughs> what I didn't like about that in particular was the fact that I didn't know, you know, like they could call me and what I, I didn't know if they were going to call me that next day and say, hey, come in tomorrow or come in two weeks from now. I, I just didn't know. There was just, you know, some just uncertainty about so the So they situation. just told you like you're on standby until we yeah, tell you? Yeah, it was just a TBA kind of status. Wow. So I was just kind of waiting around. I mean, I studied for NAPLEX. I kind of, but I did explore. I did get some time to explore Jersey. I went to New York a lot, but I I didn't get some of the experiences I wanted to. So some of the projects that they were going to put me on were a lot far developed past what they expected me to be brought in as. I just had to do some catching up. I had to do a lot of reading and I actually still am catching up. But I think you always kind of feel like that especially when you're coming into such an innovative space as industry. Yeah, definitely. You just have to put that uh, flexibility and adaptability to use. For sure. Yeah, I think I think one thing that's interesting about industry is that because so many projects are team-based, that when you start, you have no idea what project you're going to be put on and what the status is. So, for example, like Jess was saying, in clinical development, she just happens to have been put on two studies that are both in startup status. But for me, when I started, the study is progressing. So I've missed startup and I'll see a different portion of the study. Exactly. We'll both end up with different experiences, even though we're doing the same exact fellowship <laughs> on paper. So can you talk about what a typical day is like at Merck? And and I know it can be hard sometimes because it's very general, like, oh, I answer emails and I go to meetings. So like, if you want to take us through what you did on Tuesday or something. So this Tuesday... Well, actually, I didn't go into the office this Tuesday. So I don't think <laughs> okay, Monday. I actually haven't been in the office this entire week except yesterday. So maybe I'll go till last week. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember what I actually did last week. Um, So at the moment, I'll, I'll talk about what I'm actually actively working on. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on an NDA. Well, it's actually a, a BLA, biologic right. license application. And essentially, we're in the review period of that BLA. A BLA is an NDA for biologics? Basically, yes. Okay. Precisely. Okay. So, I mean, essentially, you, you have different acronyms, of course, ev- everywhere in industry. But <laughs> there's so many acronyms. <laughs> there's so many acronyms. <laughs> but in addition to that, there are some that are going to be specific for different functional areas. So in terms of the regulatory process, some key ones that are key acronyms that we kind of focus on are uh, BLA and NDA, because those are basically the things that for the U.S. FDA submissions is you putting all your data together saying that this is it's expected this will be sufficient enough for you to support our product being put in patients' hands or put in prescribers' hands to give to their patients. I guess you could say. Eventually into patients. Eventually into patients' <laughs> hands at some point. So NDA and BLA, that's new drug application and biologic as- application. So a new drug application basically stands for all products that are not biologic in nature. Biologics have basically been explained as products that have a different manufacture process in the sense that they are manufactured through a series of, of steps. It's biologic in nature as, a fo- as opposed to chemical in nature. So a chemical structure is basically recreated quite easily, but the biologic process can be at multiple different facilities. Any type of changes in those environments can really impact it because it's actually a biologic product. So it can change quite easily, as you can imagine, based off the environment that it's placed in. So it's something that you have to have consideration about. But that's probably a lot more detail than I probably <laughs> really want to give you. So back to what I work on. <laughs> I work on um, a BLA filing right now. It's currently in review. 
I'm also working on an NDS, which is basically an NDA for Canada. Oh, okay. um, I didn't know that. I didn't either, yeah. <laughs> it's a new drug submission. They're just different acronyms. They <laughs> want to confuse me. And I'm also working on an IND submission for a new product that we're trying to start doing studies on. Essentially, we want to start phase one. So an IND is an investigational new drug application. And essentially, the investigational new drug is a product that we take into preliminary interest in, just and we think that we want to put it in this humans. And so the IND is basically going to allow us to, that, to have clinical data now start to be collected on patients. So we'll basically be able to see how safe the product is um, in those phase one studies. So the IND is basically the submission that comes right before our first patient uh, experience. Right. And I think something that I wanted to note here for our listeners out there is Brittany and I actually in science and clinical development, we actually worked with our regulatory colleagues on an IND as well. So it's kind of cool. That's a perfect example of the cross-functional relationships that we all have. And it's really fun when you're in one fellowship and you get to work with another fellow that's doing like a different area because then you really get to kind of see what they do and what their job is, which is interesting. And it's fun to take meetings together and stuff. (laughs) What's your favorite memory from the fellowship so far? I really enjoyed the canoe trip. (laughs) I really enjoyed the canoe trip, but I also enjoyed ropes. That's actually when I met Brittany and we were on the same team. We actually had a lot of failures. <laughs> Sorry so, guys, well, I think we were like the ropes champs. Really? Jate was yeah. really an MVP on our ropes team. <laughs> I mean, he really took some hits. I think you yeah. got hit by a board. Is I got that hit right? by a board. I, a plank <laughs> fell in my head. Um, yes. And I that just got it, and we finished. <laughs> um, You're a team player. A team player. But that was really my ba- uh, one of my favorite experiences because, you know, at the end of the day, I think what really stands out about the Rutgers Fellowship Program is the fact that there is such that that rich network that you're going to be, you know, a part of. And, you know, sometimes you, because you go to your company every day and that's probably basically your main um, obligation, sometimes you don't get the full opportunity to take advantage of that network. I mean, all the individuals around you, all the, around you, all the individuals within the Rutgers program are going to be your colleagues and are your colleagues. You know, they may have opportunities for you. And I think it's really good for you to make those connections whenever you can in order to, you know, basically just destroy those barriers that may may stop some of those opportunities from coming in the future. Definitely. And I think you really build genuine friendships. I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but Brittany and I have become really good friends that we never would have met otherwise. Yeah. So, I mean, I think really the, the whole Rutgers Fellowships really opens up doors as long as you just take opportunity from it. So that's why those are my favorite experiences, just being able to have fun, laugh, and kind of, I guess, play with each other, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Do you have any non-pharmacy-related hobbies? Yes. So I love, love, love. And and this is probably something else that stood out. And I should have mentioned this with my reason for you know being successful within the fellowship program or being successful in terms of acquiring a fellowship. I really love to cook. I Ooh. love, I love, I love to cook. I love to cook for people. I love to just entertain. I basically like practice my cooking before I wanted to go to pharmacy, like way, way, way back in the day. Not <laughs> when I was like 12 or 13, I wanted to be a chef. Chef Chate. Yes. Yeah, for, <laughs> I for real. Yeah. And, and so a, it Chate. rolls off the tongue. <laughs> You're right. And, uh, but side so I, career. <laughs> side career. No, honestly. And I want to start up, probably we'll see. Maybe I can start like an Instagram page about it or something like that. But I really do love to cook and just, just make good, tasty foods. And so I'm Caribbean and Liberian by descent. So that's basically all the food I know, but I like to explore and kind of go into different cultures. I love to learn more about Italian seasonings and, you know, 
some of the more Hispanic seasonings as well. So that's awesome. Maybe even, I even made some um, like curry chickpeas the other day. It's oh like a more Indian yeah. kind of thing. Uh, wow. I wish I I wish I love to cook. I'm not a very good cook and I don't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a chore to me. But I like when yeah. other people cook well <laughs> and I eat the food. Jess is like wink 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 wink. <laughs> Jess, I have to come back, give us food, and then hey. talk about your Instagram page to get some more followers. For yeah, sure, yeah. Man. Well, yeah. our podcast will follow your Instagram page <laughs> no, okay, for sure. Yeah, so I get up and running. But oh, in addition to that, uh, I like to play basketball. I like to do sports stuff too. Watch football. Nice. Cool. Yeah. It's fun. Okay, Jate, what advice do you have for candidates? So I think for candidates, really, you should be very prepared to tell whatever story and to expose people to the message that give them the message that you want and make sure that it's articulated in multiple different capacities. So one thing I wanted all of my interviewers to know about me was that I'm prepared. <laughs> so I was up really early that morning. Um, I wanted them just to see that, you know, I am, I know I'm number four here. I was probably one, one of the like earlier people in line. That I really want this to, to know that, you know, this is something that I'm excited about and I'm willing to take every advantage that I can in order to get it. And also that you can make adjustments. So I think coming, I had, of course, my interviews during mid-year. But after that, I made an adjustment when I went on site and I had, you know, my portfolio. And I, I thought that was an attractive thing that could better articulate whatever information I wanted to give to them. So I think just knowing whatever message you want to give. And knowing how you're going to portray those particular messages is key. Another thing I did actually was for my CV, I attached each one of my CVs to my business card via paperclip. And in addition to that, I had each one of my thank you cards. It was it had like my name in cursive. It said thank you. And then it had like my email address, phone number, and you are appreciated at the bottom. And then I actually wrote my message in above that. Oh, that's so, really nice. Yeah. I mean, but I took each and every opportunity to expose myself to the interviewers as my make or break moment. So I think that's another thing that you might want to take as well. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. I'm sure you really stood out amongst all of the people that you interviewed with. I hope so. <laughs> sure. So it's our favorite part of the interview. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us your embarrassing story? So my embarrassing story. And I, I'll, I'll caution everyone who, um, you know, is going to be going to receptions. There's going to be alcohol there. And, you know, you're going to be, of course, allowed to drink. So if you have a few receptions to go to and you're drinking at each reception, there's this little thing called inebriation that may happen. <laughs> um, it can add up. <laughs> it can add up. And um, so one night I actually went to five receptions. And, you know, I thought that my tolerance was amazing. I mean, I, I've never really had any issues with being too drunk when I, I didn't want to be. But I know that for those receptions, I hadn't eaten that day. And even at receptions, just due to the fact that I was having all those interviews prior to it, I hadn't eaten before that. And I also didn't. We were in Vegas. It's very dry air, so I felt like I was a little dehydrated. In addition to that, I didn't get to drink water or any other fluid other than alcohol really <laughs> uh, a lot earlier that day. Get so turn. yeah, I was, <laughs> alcohol was the only thing in your body. It was the only thing in my body. So um, that's where I got all my nutrients from. <laughs> you know what ultimately wound up happening is by the time I got to my fourth or fifth reception, I felt the effects of a few glasses of wine, and. I would just caution you to, you know, I don't think that, you know, I was overboard at all. Like, I definitely, I think, I felt it in the moment that I, I hit it pretty well. <laughs> but, My but drunk I, impression of me being drunk is that <laughs> I was very smooth. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, but I will say that, just watch it, you know, if even if you don't finish the glass, you know, I, I think you can have one in your hand, you don't necessarily have to drink it. For me, unfortunately, I... I I drank every glass. <laughs> so, you were getting those nutrients. You had to. I was getting my nutrients. I had to do it. So, but you know, I, I definitely would just caution you for, for making sure that if you are going to be having a drink at these receptions, just to make sure that you don't go overboard. And don't be afraid to ask for water. I think that's yeah. 
that's a good piece of advice. Please don't too. be afraid to ask for water. I probably should have asked for water, but I thought I was cool with it. <laughs> but it will be hard to eat or drink anything while you're doing your interview. So it will be. So and, and another thing I did, I took a lot of protein bars. I like paydays. I took a lot of paydays with me to um, <laughs> on my interviews. I just got tired of eating paydays by reception time. I've so never like, heard a payday called a protein bar. <laughs> yeah, <me laughs> it's, no, I had paydays and protein oh, bars, okay. but I really oh, okay. love paydays. <laughs> but I actually had protein bars as well. But I was just eating those all day, and I was like, I'm tired of eating these things. So yeah. I actually stopped at the receptions, and I just... I went in with, with, with no other nutrients. So. <laughs> well, good advice for your candidates. Definitely. definitely. Well, Jate, thank you so much for letting us interview you. Thanks. This, this has been so fun. Yeah, yeah, it's been really fun. No, it was my pleasure. Thank you. If you like what you heard, please go on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe.